What a day. What a week. What a week. Last year was, last week was Ice-mageddon. This week was Snowpocalypse. Like, it's just crazy. And then everything shuts down whenever it's cold in South Carolina, right? So, no, we're honored to have you uh, with us today. We are so honored to have you. I know there's so many that are watching online today. I've seen your comments and your interactions online. We got the Dollar Hides and the Kaisers and the Hars and so many people that are watching us online today, and we're honored to have you. I do want you to know, though, you are missing out today. There's just something powerful whenever you gather in the room, right? There's some, right? Okay, all right. There's something powerful whenever we gather in the room and we worship together and we sing together and we just dig into God's word together. And so I know some of you are stuck with ice and some of you are at home with things like that. We understand all that. I just want you to know you're missing out, man. It is powerful and, and, and we love being in here. So we can't wait to see you next week uh, with us. Hey, you made it this week. You're here. You got out of bed. It was warm, right? In bed, not outside. Outside's cold, y'all. It's 24 degrees when I cranked up my car this morning. 24. That did, I'm from South Carolina. I'm not built for that, okay? Somebody told me this morning, they were like, we sent our kids out there with socks on their hands, uh, playing in snow. We weren't ready for the snow. You know what I say from that? If you're ready from the snow and you're in South Carolina, you probably had a crazy moment on Amazon. Because nobody in South Carolina gets ready for the winter. It's like, let me get snow, let me get snow gear. I think that'd be a good idea. Because we don't get it. And I was like, you're good, probably for another 10 years, and then we'll have it again. No, it's been fun. It's been great. We're honored to have you. I hated to cancel our 830 service this morning, uh, but just for safety and, for, and icing issues, we wanted to do that. And last week, I missed you, man. I missed you so much, and we wanted to. I, thank you. That's just so sweet. Nobody has ever said that when I say that, Tracy. I say I miss you, and everybody looks, and they're just like, oh, that's nice. We didn't miss you. Tracy, I missed you more than anybody else in this room. <laughs> no, I'm playing. I did miss you uh, last week, but hopefully you caught the online experience. So we've had some crazy weather, but we are in week four of a series called Win the Year. And here at Radiate, I just want you to know it's okay. It's okay to amen. It's okay to talk back. It's okay. In fact, I encourage you to take notes. I saw this phrase this week, and I like it better than anything I've said in the past. Note takers are history makers. Because you go back and you read over them and you remember them and you study them. And so note takers are history makers. And uh, I encourage you to take notes. And if you are, and I hope that you are, I want you to title it this, uh, The Habit of Ridiculous Faith. One of my favorite topics. It's not the first time you've ever heard me talk. Maybe it is if this is your first time with us. Um, but it's not the first time you've heard me talk about the topic of ridiculous faith. Because sometimes having faith in God is ridiculous, right? It just looks Different. It looks ridiculous. And the whole thing about this series, Win the Year, I'm not giving you just ways that you can just win 2022. I want us to develop habits that change our lives from the inside out. Habits that draw us closer to God. Habits that pull out of us what God has in us. Habits that make us better than we ever have been. Habits that when we get to the end of 2022, we carry them into 2023. And we win that year. And we win the next year. You see what I'm saying? Like Habits that stack. It's called habit stacking. You stack habits on top of each other and, and make a difference. So that's why I hope that you watched last week's message because it kind of stacks on top of each other. I want to talk about faith today. And I, and I want to say this coming out of worship, 
Because I, I love how Radiate Worship always just brings energy and they bring the, everything they've got from the stage. But watch this. I want to I challenge everybody for a minute. That I, 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 I just feel like I need to say this at the offset. That our faith, we can talk about having all this great faith in God. Yeah, I believe God for big things. Yeah, I got ridiculous faith, all this. Your faith never rises above the floor of your worship. Here's what I mean, right? I, how can I believe in a God that I, or how can I have faith in a God that I won't even expressively worship? Then I don't even like, did, did you know that if you go back to the original translations of the word worship, there's like 12 different ones in the Bible. If you go back and you read them, none of them mean sit back and listen. They mean express it. In fact, we used to get, I used to get uh, picked on when I was a youth pastor, because we had a youth band, and some people would be like, you're not supposed to have loud guitars. And I'm like, did you know that in the Bible, the original translation for one of them literally means play your instrument loudly? Loudly. Like, I love that. It means to clap. It means to sing. It means to play your instrument. It means to express it. Here's why worship, your faith will not rise above the floor of your worship. Watch this. It's because, let's take it logically. When you believe in something... Aren't we expressive about it? Right? Like, my daughter right now is at the beach, right? Not because she's crazy and wanted to go to the beach. She's got a gymnastics competition that, unfortunately, I, I have to miss today. And that's fine, but I'm going to FaceTime in and I'm going to cheer like a gymnastics dad. Like, yeah, baby, let's go! Right? You know why? Because I'm proud of my daughter. Because I love my, my wife is there and my two, my other two kids are there and all that to cheer her on. And she understands why I'm not there. And that's not the issue. The issue is when we believe in something, we are expressive about it. I'm going to be expressive about cheering on my daughter. My wife had these sweatshirts made. Gymnastics mom. And I'm like, weird, but good on you. She's expressive about how proud she is of her daughter. I was watching the Packers game last night. I'm a 49ers fan. Only because the star of the team is a game cop, Debo Samuel, right? They kicked the game-winning field goal last night. I had just woken up from snoring. Like, no lie. I had just woken up. There's 40 seconds left on the clock. They ran a few plays. They kicked the, the, the game-winning field goal to beat the Green Bay Packers. Knock them out. They're going to the championship game next Sunday. Let's go 49ers. Woo, woo, let's do it. And you know what I did? From snoring, I went from to, yeah, baby, let's go. You know why? Because I was, I was excited. How can I have faith that God can do something big? Yet when it's time to worship him, I just want to sit and watch everybody else perform rather than participate on my own. Are you following me today? I express what I'm excited about. And, 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 and it's, I can't, your faith follows your worship. We have to, we, we, we have to get to, and I'm not telling you to worship like me. Like, I understand everybody's personality is different. But what I'm saying is, is we do, it, it does have to be expressive. It does have to be expressed. We do have to give moments of, you know, when you say amen in, in, during a sermon, watch this. It's not for me. That is you literally going, so be it in my life. That point, so be it in my life. That's worship. That's setting it down inside. That's why I don't like a boring church. Because we should be excited about what God has done 
if he never does anything else, y'all, he gave his son so that we can have everlasting life. Holy cow. If I can get excited about an 18-year-old scoring a touchdown, I can get excited about a 33-year-old giving his life on a cross so that I can have life when I don't deserve it. I don't, I don't like quiet. I just don't. I go to preach places, and it'll be quiet in there, and I'm like, y'all, I got to create some noise. I got to do something. I'll drop a water bottle just to make noise. Can't do this. Because I just believe we're celebrating life, not mourning a funeral. Because he ain't dead. He's alive. So I wanted to get that, but I want to talk about faith. And here's what faith is not. Faith is not holding God captive to your expectations. Faith is not holding God captive to your expectations. Let me explain that for a minute. That's a challenging thought. What happens a lot is we'll pray prayers and we have expectations connected to the prayer. I don't think that's a problem, right? I think that's fine. The problem becomes when we hold him captive to the expectation. Like, God, you are not God if you don't come through on my expectation. God, I, I need more money, God, and so I expect you to give it. And when you don't give it, I don't know if you're really God or not. That's not God. That's a business partner. That's us going, I believe you're God when you come through on your end of the transaction. We're not in a business deal, we're in a relationship. And how many of you know in relationship, you don't always get what you want, do you? Married couples said, praise God. Wives are like, yeah, he never makes the bed. <laughs> She's, y'all can't hear that at home. She said, never. Come on, Jose, let's talk. Right? So, so let, me, let, me, let me give it to you like this. Let me ask you a rhetorical question. We are an expressive church. We do, do like to talk back, right? But I don't want you to answer this question. Uh, just answer it in your mind, not out loud, all right? When's the last time, last time, that you sat down and you grabbed your phone and you pulled up an article or social media with the intent to read it, all right? For most of us, it was probably when we woke up today. If you served this morning, the 10 o'clock, and you're sitting the 11.30, it was probably around 9.45. Maybe after, I don't know, right? You sat down on your lazy boy, on your couch, wherever, and you just like read I read a lot of articles. I read a lot of leadership articles. I read a lot, read a lot of football articles, right? I, I read a lot of, of Bible stuff. I read social media. My, like I know what all of y'all ate for dinner last night, okay? And I know how lifelike your snowmen did not look, right? And that's okay. Like, I'm not saying that's bad. All right, so when's the last time you did that? I'm going to give you a second. You know the, what most Americans, they say, do now? The moment they open their eyes, they roll over, they grab their phone, and they look at it. And they pull up Instagram or Facebook. And they say it's the fear of missing out is why they do that. So for most of us, right, and I'm not saying you're a bad person if you did this. Please just follow the illustration. We probably have intentionally sat down, grabbed our phone, and read something on it. Now, let me ask you another question. When's the last time we sat down with our Bible in the intention of opening it and reading what God has to say to us? Probably a lot less often, right? In fact, as your pastor, I'll say, I'm embarrassed to answer the question myself. Because can I tell you, I open my, my phone a whole lot more than I do my Bible. Well, the phone is, 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 is right there, and I need it for text, and I need it for email. I, 
I'm not saying like it's bad. What I'm saying is, watch this. This is why it matters. It's hard to have faith in something, someone or something that you know nothing about. So maybe the lack of faith in the Christianity and in the American church today is not about not believing God. It's about not knowing him. See, faith is built on trust. And I can't trust someone I know nothing about. It's not hard for me to trust someone on social media over God whenever I pay more attention to who I know more about their life than I do his. Come on. It's not hard for me to trust the person sitting behind the news desk when I, take more, uh, 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 when I know more about what they say than what he has said. Come on. And, and, and if faith is built on trust, then the first thing I got to do is I got to get to know him because when I find out and I get in his word and I start realizing how much he's loved the Israelites and forgave them, even when they continuously turn their back on him, I can trust him a little bit more. When, when, when I go to a place and the Israelites are, are in the wilderness walking around and they needed something, even after they just turned their back on him, and all they had to do was strike a rock and water began to flow. All they had to do was wake up one morning and manna was there. All they had to do, because he trusted, I can trust him because I see what he's done. When I get into the New Testament and I start seeing how he, he, he forgave the adulterous woman that should have by law been killed in town center in front of everybody. And I see how he treated her with grace. I know that he'll treat me with grace. When I see later on another story of a man that is laying for years by a pool waiting on an angel to stir the waters so that he can walk again. And Jesus shows up and through the power of the Spirit heals the man's body. I can say he can heal me. I can trust him because I'm knowing a little bit more about him. When I go and read, like some of us think the book of Judges is so boring. But when I go and understand that the book of Judges is all about Jesus, or God offering redemption to his people that have turned away from him over and over and over again, I know his heart. Faith isn't so hard when I begin to learn. I can't say the Bible's boring whenever I don't take a chance to know it. Are you following me today? And so it's really hard to come to a place of faith when I don't know who he is and I don't take a chance to know who he is and I don't spend time knowing who he is. And I want to I show you something today about faith because I, I, we've established the foundation of faith is trust and trust is knowing. And so I want to encourage you. Let's, let's get into the word. Let's know him. But I want to I go over to 2 Kings uh, chapter 3. 2 Kings is in the Old Testament. It's right after 1 Kings. It's right before 3 Kings. Just kidding, there is no 3 Kings. Um, 2 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to set up the story. So here we are. There's a man named King Jehoram. And King Jehoram is, is, is connected with two other kings at that time. They're, they're doing this mission impossible type thing in the desert, right? And their armies are out there. And they're, they're in a drought. So imagine being in a desert with a drought. You're probably pretty thirsty, Right? 
And so they're in this thing, and there was a drought, so they can't figure out how to get water. The three most powerful men at that time are together. Their brains are together, and they can't find water anywhere. So they call in a prophet named Elisha. The reason they call in a prophet named Elisha is because that, during that time, God spoke through prophets. God spoke only through certain people. Today, there's still prophets. There's still all that stuff. There's still the gifts of the Spirit and the workings of the Spirit and all those things that take place. But then that was the only way he worked. Today, we have the access of the Spirit in us every single day. So he speaks directly to us and through others. So there's a multiple way that he speaks to us, right? But in that day, they call in Elisha, and they're like, Elisha! We got no water, and we're thirsty, and it's dusty, and we need water. And so Elisha shows up. Now, Jehoram, you got to know this, because it's going to, something Elisha says in the story in a minute is going to make you go, what the heck is his problem? Jehoram was not a good king. He was just not a good, in fact, it calls him evil. Earlier in scripture, he's an evil king. He's not doing godly things. And Elisha, I'm just going to be honest, doesn't like him. Right? You're going to find out in a minute. Let's read verses 13 through 20 of 2 Kings chapter 3. So here we go. Now Elisha said to the king of Israel, what? Now this is where you see Elisha's attitude coming out. I, I like it. It's a little fiery. He says, what do I have to do with you? Why don't you just go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother? Like, holy cow. He looks at him like, why are you calling on me? Call on them. They're the ones you trust more than me anyway. You don't trust my God. Wow. And the king of Israel said to him, don't talk about my mama. No, I'm just kidding. The king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to give them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, were it not, now watch this, were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Do you see the attitude in Elisha? He goes, listen, you ever been with a group of friends and you go, I don't care for y'all. The only reason I'm here is because they invited me to come. I'm hanging out with them. Y'all just go do your own thing. That's where Elisha's at. Like, for real. He goes, I don't like you. You're evil. You don't trust God. I don't want nothing to do with you. Now, I know you're sitting there going, that's not a God-like attitude. Like, you've never thought that. Okay? And he's like, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I respect and honor Jehoshaphat so much. So the honor he had for another king got him in the door for a miracle. There's a story in honor right there. So he honors and respects Jehoshaphat. He's like, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even be there. Be here, right? So let's break it down. Then, then he goes, verse 15, he says, but now bring me a minstrel. Now here's where worship comes in. Because in those days, the, the prophets had worship players or worship leaders. They had Pastor Chris's come in and radiate worship. They came in and they'd start leading. What a powerful name, right? They'd do all that stuff. Why? Because there's something connected to the presence of God and the worship of people. In fact, the Bible says that where, the, the, where there is worship, I am seated in the midst of it. He's there, right? So you see that begin to take place. He said, bring me a minstrel. In other words, bring me a Pastor Chris so that he can lead worship and I can get in touch with God. And it came about, and when the minstrel played, watch this, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, right, this is God speaking through him. He said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of trenches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind nor rain, or, or nor shall you see the rain, yet that the valley shall be filled with water so that you should drink, both you and your cattle and your beasts. This is, not, this is but a slight thing in the sight of the Lord. He will also give the Moabites in your hand. 
Then you should strike every fortified city and every choice city and fell every good tree and stop all springs of water and mar every good piece of land with the stones. And it happened in the morning about the time of offering the sacrifice that behold, water came by the way of Edom and the country was filled with water. Can we back up? Do you remember what they are asking Elisha for? Water. Now, there's a whole lesson in this, and I'm not getting into it. I don't know, how many of you have ever dug a hole or a trench, right? You ever dug a hole or a trench? What happens after about five feet of digging a trench? You need some water, and you get tired, and you start sweating, and your muscles are hurting, and your shoulders, and you're just like, I got 75 more feet to go, and you need water. Guess what they didn't have? What were they praying for? So God's answer was, I know what you need, but I need you to go expend what you need, sweat, without having it before I bring it. It's kind of backwards, right? Watch this. Ridiculous faith is sweat, prayer, and belief in who God is. I would venture to say that we have two of the three in most Christian circles. We have belief. I believe God can do it. We have prayer, but I don't know that we're good at sweating. See, ridiculous faith, this is what most of us do. We'll sit down and we'll go, you know what, God? I believe you can do it, and so I'm going to pray for it. So we sit back, we prop our feet up. That hurts, so I'm going to put my feet down. And, And we sit back and we go, you know what, God? I really believe you can change my marriage. Heal my marriage, God. Just don't change me. Anybody in the room today? Don't get mad. We'll pray things like, God, help me financially. I need a financial breakthrough. God, I need need you to pay off all my bills. I need a pay increase. I need all that. And we sit back, and here's what we do. We pray, and we sit back and wait. Pray and wait, pray and wait. And we go, God, help me financially, just don't ask me to budget. And quit showing Dave Ramsey on my Instagram feed. Right? God, I need a financial breakthrough, but don't you dare ask me to give to the church. Why everybody get quiet on that one? Y'all were laughing until I said that, and then you're like, "Mm mm-hmm, he would. It's, It's the Bible. God, I want you to fill my church, fill every chair. Praise God, hallelujah. But don't ask me to invite. God, I want my family members to know how great you are. Just don't ask me to pray for them because they take me off and get on my nerves. See, faith should never be passive. Faith should always be progressive. And to be progressive... You have to sweat a little bit. You can't sit back in your chair. And I think the armies and the kings were like, if we bring Elisha in, and we look at Elisha, and he tells us there's going to be water, there's going to be the miracle of water that shows up, we sit back with our feet up and just wait. But he didn't say that. God said, no, go sweat. I know you need water, but go sweat and get thirsty. Because here's what happens. When we have no sweat equity in the game, we take advantage of the blessing. 
And now we worship the blessing more than we worship the one that blesses. And so now God has spoiled us and we're a gumball machine with him. I put a prayer in, I turn the handle three times, go to church twice and say four prayers and Hail Marys and then the blessing shows up. That's not a God. That's a genie in a bottle, baby. You're welcome. You know what? My staff is hiding their face right now. Like literally, I don't understand. Why does this catch y'all off guard at this point? Right? Now, I'm serious, that's a genie in a bottle. And we want to go, God, if I rub the genie in the bottle, then you'll show up and give me my three wishes. That's not Christianity. That's not even commitment. That's taking advantage of someone. And so God knows, I want you, goes, no, 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 no. I want you to have some sweat equity in this thing. I don't want you to just sit back and put your feet up. I can do anything. And sometimes I will do everything. The reality is I need you to work. And I need you to pick up a doggone shovel. He looks at the armies and he goes, I understand what you need, but I understand what you got to do. Because if I bring the blessing and you ain't got the trenches to hold it, then it's a flood that ruins everything. And now your life is ruined and now your family is hurting and now all your stuff is gone. Why? Because you're taking advantage of the blessing and you got no sweat equity in it. Is anybody in here today? And the reality is he's going, dig some trenches. Sweat. I'm, I'm glad you're praying. I want you to pray, but I also want you to work. And Mark Batterson says it like this. Work like it depends on you. Pray like it depends on God because it does. In fact, Colossians says this. Watch this. He says, you go out and sow the seeds. You don't get weary. Why would you get weary sowing seeds? Because it's not always fun. Because you don't see the harvest when you sow a seed. He said, I want you to go dig trenches. If you go dig trenches, you're not going to see water. In fact, he goes, you'll never see the conditions change. What's he say later on? They got shovels in their hand. And all this stuff, and it says this, and it says, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. How interesting is that? How interesting is that? You're going to dig, but you'll never see the conditions for the atmosphere to bring the blessing change. You just got to dig and trust. You just got to dig and know. How many of us are willing to dig without seeing the prophet? How many of us are willing to dig when it don't make sense? How many of us are willing to dig? How many of us are willing to be generous when God says be generous when it's tough? How many of us are willing to serve whenever we're tired? How many of us are willing to worship whenever I don't know the song? How many of us are willing to pray when all hell breaks loose? How many of us are willing to dig whenever there's no water showing up in the trenches and you're thirsty and you're sweating and it's frustrating and you're tired and you drop shovels and, you're, and your shoulders cramp and your calves cramp and you're still digging and you still got the people over your shoulder and all that just knowing that one day God's going to come through. Not because I said that he will, but because I know who that he is. I know him, and I can trust him, and I know what he's got. I got to learn to dig. I got to learn to dig. It's not just praying. It's not just believing. It's sweating. And it's digging when it makes no sense. It's digging when I, it's believing what seems to be unbelievable. You know why I love the principle of tithe in the Bible? It's, it's because God says, I will bless your 90% to go further than your 100% by yourself ever could. 
I love it. I see it all the time. There's stories in this church of people sitting around you that go, it shouldn't work out, and I shouldn't be able to pay bills, but not only do I pay all the bills, but I got money to go on nice dates, and I just bought a truck. God's blessing me. Why? Because I started tithing. I hear it all the time. How many people will dig when you don't know what's going to happen? He goes, listen, I, I need, he says, if you want your miracle, you got to do. You got to do, you got to do something. Ridiculous faith means digging trenches before you see the conditions change. Ridiculous faith means trusting God no matter what. And it, there's a phrase in here, I love this. It's all beginning to take place. And Elisha looks at him and he tells him what's going to happen. You dig the trenches, God will bring the rain. God will bring the water from Edom. All this stuff's going to take place. Watch this. And then in verse 18, he makes a statement that I think needs to be a mantra for us. Verse 18, this is but a slight thing in the sight of the Lord. Hmm. I don't know about you, but there's been moments in my life where I needed miracles, and it wasn't a slight thing. If I was in their position and there was no prayer, I mean no rain, and no conditions were changing, and I was tired, and I was thirsty, and I had to take care of an army, and I had to take care of a kingdom, and I had to do all these things, and none of, nothing was happening, the miracle of rain or, or water, man, that'd be a pretty big deal. And Elisha looks and goes, no, that ain't a big deal. That's a slight thing to God. When I was on an operating table for six and a half hours, it was a big deal if I would have gotten up. But to God, it's a slight thing. See, some of you have prayed for your marriages to turn around and addictions to leave your life. And to you, it was miraculous. To God, it was a slight thing. Because here's the thing we got to know. What's difficult to us is simple to God. Hear, hear me today. I don't know if that fires you up, but it should. If you know the same God I know. What, what is difficult to us is simple to God. Your marriage is in shambles, it's simple to God. Your kids are far from God, it's simple to God. Your, your finances ain't working out, it's simple to God. What's hard for you is easy for Him because He is the God of the universe. He created the universe. Can I ask you a question when it comes to this? What do you believe in God for? What do you believe in God for in your life? What do you believe in God for in your family? Like, I, I, I'm listen, it don't take much faith to go, God, I'm believing you that I'm going to get lunch today. For some people, that's a legitimate prayer. For most people in our nation and where we are, that's as easy as walking to one of the seven restaurants that literally you can walk to from this building right now. No, that's not faith. I'm scared that the reason most of us believe things that, from God that we can do ourselves is because the only God we know is the God that our grandparents told us about. We, we don't know that he told an army to dig trenches in a desert and they woke up one day and it was there and the water showed up. We, we don't know that when the Israelites were starving in the wilderness, they woke up one morning and there was manna on the ground to eat. We don't remember that when the Israelites, the same ones, were, were, were thirsty in the wilderness, they struck a rock and water showed up. We don't remember 
how he split the Red Sea so that the Egyptians died when they walked across. See, the thing is, it doesn't take a lot of faith to believe God for things I can do. But it takes a whole lot of faith to believe God when things seem difficult to me. And it changes things. And, and, and here's why I love this conversation. I love this message. I love this thing because I don't care if you go home and are like, that's a great message. I mean, I do care, but I don't. Here's why. Great messages don't change your life. Putting great messages to action does. I want us to walk out of here and live a habit of ridiculous faith. See, of going, ridiculous faith is serving the church because you believe that God is changing a community through it. Ridiculous faith is being generous when he asks you to be generous. Ridiculous faith is trusting God with your kids when you don't even know how to raise them. Ridiculous faith is trusting God with your marriage when you're trying to be a better husband or a better wife. Ridiculous faith is trusting that the person that hurt you is also the person that you can forgive and love again. The, the ridiculous faith is the ability to walk out of here and know that when God says dig a trench, you dig the trench and he'll fill it up. Ridiculous faith is putting sweat and belief and prayer behind what he tells you to do. That is ridiculous faith. And I just got this belief, man. I got this belief. I'm not the guy that's going to stand up every year and go, this is the year everybody gets out of debt and makes $150,000. I think that can happen. I don't think it will happen to everybody. But God, if you want it to happen right here, Right there. I'm not that guy, but here's what I do believe. I believe that stuff can happen. I'm not making fun of anybody who believes that. What I am saying is this. I believe that if we develop a, 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 a habit of ridiculous faith, then what he's already done in your life is only the starting foundation for everything that he can do in your life. I'm of this belief, and I cannot shake it, that in 2022, that everything God has done in the previous 10 years of the existence of this church, from salvations to healings to marriages coming back together to people walking out whole again, brokenness being restored and mended, everything he's done in 10 years is a starting block for everything he's going to do in this church the next 10 years. And it's going to be ridiculous faith to see it happen. But hear me. That sounds good. But it only happens for you and for this church when we pick up shovels. Will you pick up a shovel? Not just at Radiate Church. I want you to pick up a shovel at Radiate Church. I want you to do the 90-day tithe challenge. I want you to give to this church because there's ministry that is in my sights right now and in vision that I just need to be able to afford. There's things i got to be able to build onto the back of this building to hold the kids. I, there's, thing, there's a campus in Florence we got to build. I want, you to, I want you to serve. I want you to serve because there's people's lives that are changing every day because they're on a team and they're a part of Engage. I, I want you to be a part of those things. But watch this. Will you pick up a shovel for the church? Will you pick up a shovel for your family? Will you believe enough to become a digger? Whenever it don't make any sense. 
It may be dry, but get up and grab a shovel and trust who God is, not just what he's done, not just what he says he's going to do. You trust who he is. God, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to dig. God, I don't know how you're going to provide, but I'm going to dig. God, I'm going to keep digging until you do what you said. That's ridiculous faith. That's ridiculous faith. And I'm just of the crazy belief that we can win this year, but we won't win it by being passive. I believe this church can grow and change this community and the next community. I believe we can accelerate the vision, but we can't do it being passive. I believe we can fill all these room, this room up multiple times every, every week. We ain't going to do it being passive. I believe God can heal your marriage. He ain't going to do it being passive. Because you got to be able to be changed. I believe God can give you more money than you've ever had to give to the kingdom. But he can't do it being passive. I believe he can accelerate uh, uh, talents you got in your life. But he won't do it being passive. Progressive. Let's march forward. Let's grab some shovels. Let's start being diggers. Let's start trusting God with ridiculous faith for what he says. If you would, stand to your feet with me right now. If you believe God's doing something in your life and you believe in who he is, can I just ask you to give up on some praise for God in this house right now? Don't you wait on me. This is you and God. Put your hands together. Shout to God. Tell him thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do. Come on. Right now, we need to be a house of praise. God, I thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for what you will do. Not just what you have done. Come on. Come on, church. Let your praise go up. Let your mouth open up. Let your declarations go up. You begin to speak to God and tell him thank you. Father, we love you. We will be diggers. We will grab shovels. We're tired of being passive. This is our moment. Let us invite Let us dig trenches by believing. Let us dig trenches by praying. Let us dig trenches by giving. Let us dig trenches by serving. Whatever it takes, God, we're tired of the mundane and the monotonous. But God, we'll dig until we see your blessing. And then we'll dig until we see your blessing. God, we'll be diggers. We'll grab shovels. Move us forward. Make us progressive. Make us passionate. Make us purposeful. God, we love you. We honor you. Come on, one more time. If you believe God's going to do something great, come on, let out some shout that you hadn't let out ever before. Come on, tell him thank you in this house.